Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I have the privilege um, tonight to open up lesson two in the, the series, Greatest Stories Never Told. And these are stories about major Bible characters, but they're stories that people hardly ever teach or very seldom teach, and they have these incredible principles. So we have another one today, and the story this, this weekend has to do with someone that was dealt a bad hand. They were given a bad team. And a story came to mind. This is an absolutely true story. When I was in Bible school, we had an intramural flag football league, and I was one of the captains, so we had a draft day. And this is rumored. We haven't proven this, but the rumor is the president of the Bible school went through the 2,000 students that were in the file, and he looked for anybody that was a high school football standout, college football player, or pro football player, and he picked this team before draft day. And uh, he had what we called the stacked team. Again, it's just rumor, but I noticed nobody on his team was in the draft. And uh, so draft day came, and, and I had to pick my team, and it's not like, you know, the NFL, there were no combines, we couldn't see their skills, and you just had to guess. So you needed some big guys, some fast guys, and I picked my team, and thankfully I was in a different division. There were two divisions. I was in a, a different division than the stack team. So we went through the season. We, we went undefeated. The stack team went undefeated, and we had the Super Bowl of our Bible school, and what a weekend. Tickets were at a premium. They were zero dollars, and, and uh, it was just a big event. And I was real nervous because I just began dating Gina, and, uh, and so I'm nervous. My new girlfriend's on the sidelines, and we're playing this stack team. They had some former pro players, and, and I was just looking at our teams, and we didn't match up in every area, and I wasn't sure if we were going to be blown out. Uh, we, we just weren't dealt the best team. We didn't have the best choices. And uh, we played the game. They scored. They had the ball first. They scored. We scored. They scored. We scored. Every touchdown they made, we made one. Our, our, our offenses were doing great. Defenses weren't doing great. There's about a minute left in the game, and they have the ball, and we're trying to stop them. We're trying to go into overtime, but we didn't. They scored, and we lost, and um, I was ups- a little bit upset, very competitive person, but I also thought we did an exceptional job standing in there with some of these players that they had. And here's why I share the story. I didn't have choices to get the best team. I wasn't dealt the best hand, but we gave it 100% effort. We did pretty, pretty well. And sometimes in life, we're just dealt a really bad hand. And that happens with every one of us in this room at different times. And there's a Bible character. He's so famous, King David. He killed Goliath. Uh, he was one of Saul, King Saul's. He was one of his greatest warriors. He killed tens of thousands in battle. He wrote all these psalms. I mean, just an incredible guy. But the king became jealous of him, and the king tried to kill him two times, and David went on the run. And while he was on the run, he went into a cave. It was called the Cave of Adullam. And he's in this cave. He's running for his life, and he's all alone. And God sends him some people. And I just want you to see who came to him in this cave. And we'll begin reading um, in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. It says, So David got away and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and others associated with his family heard uh, where he was, they came down and joined him. Thank God for family. Thank God for blood. Blood sticks with you. 
during tough time, but none of them were great warriors, so he, he's really in trouble. Saul has the stack team. King Saul has the greatest, the best, the strongest warriors in, in Israel. He's chasing David down with his elite team, and David gets his family. But notice who came next. Verse 2, not only that, but all who were down on their luck came around, losers and vagrants and misfits of all sort. David became their leader. There were about 400 in all. So he's running for his life, and he's the leader of a team of misfits, about 400. They're all misfits. And King Saul has a stacked team with the most elite fighters in Israel, guys that were trained from birth. David was dealt a bad hand. And we're going to talk about what happens when we're in the cave of Adullam. And all of us at different times in our life, we end up in this cave, and we end up in a very difficult and very tough place in our life. And it made me think about this country in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, all the immigrants that came from around the world, and they came from places where they couldn't find work, places where they were really suffering. And on the Statue of Liberty, there's this incredible poem, The Great Colossus. And here's part of what's etched on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your, your huddled masses yearning to breathe freedom, the wretched refuge of your teeming shore. Send those, or these, the homeless, temptress tossed to me. And that's the kind of people that came to this incredible nation in those early days. My mom immigrated to the U.S., and here's a picture of her. She's the one on your right, and her sister uh, uh, Angie and her sister Teresa are next to her. And um, when my mom came, uh, the reason she came was because there was no work in Italy. As a matter of fact, her dad came here first, and they were all left without their dad. And he worked here for years. He became a lumberjack, and he cut down trees so that they could put roads throughout this nation, and he was one of those people that just cut trees down for a living. Finally, when he saved enough money, he sent for his wife and his kids, and they came to America. Why did he do that? Because he couldn't find work where he lived in Italy. And this nation, they received all kinds of people like that, and it's pretty cool to see what we were turned into. And I just want to show you what God did in the cave of Adullam, and what God wants to do in all of our lives, just like he did with this nation. We became the greatest nation that ever lived on the planet. And uh, here's what I want you to walk out today remembering. I want this to be etched into your heart. Jesus wants to take us from the cave to the castle. And when I say castle, I'm referring to that dream that's in your heart that God gave you, that place that God promised you in the Bible that you could walk in. David was called to the castle. Now, I want you to think about his situation, guys. Samuel, the prophet, came to him and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. He knew he would be king. And here he is, the supposed next king of Israel. He's running for his life. The dream that's in his heart is put on hold. And he's hiding out in a cave with a bunch of cave people. And it had to smell really bad in there. And it had to be an awful sight. He's looking at his team. They're not the stacked team. And he has this dream in his heart to go and be in the castle. And it looks like he's never going to accomplish the dream that God put in his heart. And I think that's true for so many of us. God's given us dreams. We've read scriptures. We see promises. And we know that God 
is saying to us, this is going to happen in your life. This is what I want to do with you. This is who I am. And we're in the cave. And I want to show you how David went from the cave to the castle. And it's amazing. 11 years after he was in the cave, he took these 400 and God sent them others. And he trained them. He turned them into castle dwellers. It's amazing what he did. And I just want to show you some of his warriors that, that were created out of these 400 misfits and others that came to him. God gave him a principle that's so powerful, and we'll show you that as we progress. But take a look at 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. Uh, these are the names of David's mighty men. Joshua Bathshebeth, uh, who was a Tekemanite, was chief of the three. He raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. This reminds me of superheroes, you know, like, like Iron Man and, and Thor. And uh, I love the movie The Avengers. And I'm not a Spider-Man fan. I don't know why. It just seems wimpy to me. But I like, I, I like all the other superheroes. And I just love the superheroes. I don't know why. But think about it, guys. Killed 800 guys. 800. Our superheroes heroes are fic fictional, but God gave these guys supernatural skills, supernatural power, and one guy took down 800. It's kind of Samson-ish what happened. And it's amazing that these were the guys 11 years before in a cave running for their life. How did God do it? How did he take them from the cave to the castle? Here's another pretty, school, or pretty cool story. Uh, it's, it's 2 Samuel 23, 18. Abishai, son of Zerah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemies in a single battle. It was, such a f it was by such feats that he became as famous as the top three warriors. And uh, Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. And it almost seems like he underperformed. He only killed 300. The other guy did a lot better. But that's why he was one of the top three. Can you imagine killing 300 warriors? How did these misfits turn into warriors? How did they turn into these incredible fighters? It's amazing. God took them from the cave to the castle. What did David teach them? What did they do to become this way? And here's probably my favorite guy, 1 Chronicles 11, 22. Uh, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was, was a valiant fighter from Kabzal who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. This is the one I love. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. He was bored. and said, I'm just going to go kill a lion. And he killed a lion. And, and verse 23 says, and he struck down an Egyptian who was seven and a half feet tall. In Bible days, the average height was below five feet. So we're talking about two and a half feet bigger than this guy. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Beniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. This guy was incredible. The, these guys went from the cave to the castle. So here we are. Some of you are in some caves right now. You're, you're, you're in a doolum in your life, and it can seem so hopeless when you're in the cave. But I want you to think of David. He's running for his life. He has this dream. He's going to be the king and live in the castle, and he's in a cave with 400 misfits. What did he do to get out? Think about what caves you're in. 
And I want to just show you some principles that are incredible. But here's something that God did. When David went into the cave of Adullam, that's when he wrote Psalm 34. Isn't that amazing? God, God gave him Psalm 34 when he went into the cave. God knew he needed these principles to get himself out of the cave. That really makes Psalm 34 come alive when you realize he wrote this when he was first in the cave. And so here he's in the cave with all these smelly people, all these misfits. They're hiding. They're running. Saul's trying to kill him. He has the elite soldiers. He has the stack team. He's after them. The deck's stacked against them. And God gives him Psalm 34. And as I've studied Psalm 34, I see four incredible principles that every one of us can do, whether we're in the cave or not. If you do it in the castle, it will help you stay out of some caves. But it's just amazing what happens when you and I are in this place. And I think all of us are going to, one time or another, be in a cave or two. Uh, we'll be in a dulem, and we'll be there like David was. And God wrote this psalm not just for David. He wrote it for you. He wrote it for me. He wrote it for all of us. So let's take a look at what he did. Here's the first thing he did, and I think this is the most important, and that's why I put it first. He feared God in his cave. So you and I need to fear God in our caves. And, and notice what he wrote in Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So right in the cave, God gave him a promise. I have angels around you, David. You guys have angels around you. And he gave him a promise, I'm the God that delivers. That's pretty cool. He's writing this in the psalm. And, and he's living it in front of these men. And he's teaching it to these men. And these down and out people, he's saying, guess what? God has angels around you. And he's the God that will deliver you with his power and with his strength. He also wrote verse 9. It says, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. They're in a cave and they lack everything. They don't have a clean set of clothes. They're wearing the same clothes every day. They don't have a washer and dryer to throw them into. It is a place where they have nothing. Food is not in abundance. They're out there hunting, trying to get enough food to feed these people. And David has this psalm and he says, you know what? If you fear God, he'll deliver you and you'll never lack anything. Isn't it awesome how God tells us these things when we're in the cave? And David's looking at them saying, this is what God does in a cave. And all we have to do is make sure we fear him. That's, that's principle one. And this is an incredible principle. I, I say it like this. Uh, to fear God means we realize he's in control and we must answer to him for how we live our lives. And I have two scriptures I want to just emphasize 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 and 11. Incredible, incredible scriptures. Verse 11 says, understanding the fear of the Lord, we urge men. And he talked about the fear of the Lord in verse 10. And you know what the fear of the Lord is? It's not, you know, that God's this mean guy and every time we get out of hand, he slaps us and, and, and says, you know, this is for nothing, don't start nothing. You know, that type of thing. That's not who God is. But, but here's what it means to fear the Lord. It's 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, but every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's written to Christians and will answer for how we lived our life, whether good or bad. And fearing the Lord just means we realize we have to answer to God someday. And David's telling these guys, I know you're hurting. I know you'd like to break the laws of God. 
I know you'd like to do some things you shouldn't do, but we're going to fear God. We're going to fear God because we have to answer for God whether or not we cross the line and do something wrong as we're in this cave. And David was tested. You know he was tested twice? I'll just tell you about the first time. David and a couple of his guys heard Saul and his soldiers coming. So they ran into another cave, and they're hiding in the way back of the cave, and Saul comes in to go to the potty. He actually came in to go to the potty. And his warriors are outside. They're making sure no one gets in. They don't realize David's in there with some of his guys. And Saul's going potty, and his guys are saying to him, you can kill him right now, and all our problems will end. We'll be out of the cave if you just kill him right now. Kill him right now, and we can get out of the cave. And they kind of talk David into it, and he's walking towards Saul. And the Bible says, because David was one to really know the Scriptures, that God convicted his heart. And he just cut the corner of his robe. And he was even convicted for doing that. And then he snuck back to the back and Saul left. And when Saul got far, far enough away, David found some high ground. And he screamed out to Saul. And he says, King Saul, I'm not your enemy. And he said, I could have killed you. I was in that cave. And Saul's like, no, you weren't. And he says, look at, look at your robe. And he held up the corner of his robe. He said, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And Saul said, David, you're more righteous than me. And Saul stopped chasing him for a couple days. And then he became jealous again and went crazy and went after him again. He was just so insecure and so jealous. But I want you to think about what David did. He knew that one day he'd have to answer for God if he killed the king. And the Bible says don't touch God's kings. Don't touch those anointed ones of God. And he knew that if God wanted them to be king, God would get him to the place to be king. So that being said to all of us, I want to encourage you to make sure that when you're in a cave, when you're going through a tough time, that number one, you learn what David learned. Fear God. And just do what you know to do. Sometimes we have to take some blows. Sometimes we want to fight back, but we can't. But just let God be God, because David did get into the castle. And Saul did get killed in battle. And David did do and be what God wanted him to be. He came out of the cave, but he learned something. Think about it. What would have happened if David killed Saul in that cave? I, I don't think God would have been able to allow him to be king. I don't think he could have went on. But I'm so glad he feared God enough to say, I'm going to do what the Bible says to do. And he allowed God to take him where he needed to go. So if you're in a cave right now, if you should ever be in a cave, I want to encourage you, number one, you need to fear God. Here's the second one. David trusted God in the cave. And I want to read you two more verses out of Psalm 34. They're pretty cool. And they read like this, Psalm 34, 6. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Now, you remember one pr trouble that David had? He went before this giant called Goliath. He also said, when I was a shepherd, a bear and a lion attacked the sheep, and God delivered me. That's before Goliath. And David's looking at these 400 guys in, in, in the cave and others that came later, and he's saying, guys, God can be trusted. God is the God that comes through. He's the God that will deliver you. And I'll tell you what, when you're in a cave, like David was, it's easy to forget that God is able and that God can be trusted, but he can. Listen to verse 22. The Lord redeems his servants. 
No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. I love that. God redeems his kids, and nobody will be shamed that takes refuge in him. They will not be condemned. And I think it's so important for you and I to remember that God comes through. I, li- I said it this way. Like David, we must believe that no matter what we face, God will come through for us. And I have Romans 8.31 up there. And it says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I have this from Paul, 2 Timothy 4.18. And Paul said that my God shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me until his heavenly kingdom comes. And these are great men of God that were in caves at different times in their lives. And they all learned something. You know what they learned? That they can trust God, and God's the one that delivers us up out of trouble. And how about Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And even in the cave, you can trust God for strength. When you want to quit, you can trust God for strength. So what did, what did David do in the cave? How can Jesus take us from the cave to the castle? He feared God. He trusted God. And I love this third one. He sought God. We need to seek God in the cave. And listen to these verses of Scripture. They're pretty cool. Uh, Psalms 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Their faces are never covered with shame. I think shame is one of the most awful things that any of us can face. And all of us at different times, I'm sure we have felt shame. I know there have been times in my life when I've felt shame. But the best thing we can do is seek God in our shame. That's referring to looking into the scriptures and praying and asking God for help, but mainly looking into the Bible and allowing the Bible to speak to us. Listen to Psalm 34, 8. It says this, trust and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And when you talk about tasting and seeing, you're talking about the word of God. Because when we read it, and we find out what it has to say, we find out, man, God is good. God has answers for everything. I'd like to say it this way. We're told to seek God while in the caves of life, and Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate on the word of God, and it just lets us know, get into the Bible, and here's what amazes me. Week in and week out, as I teach the Bible, I'll talk to people in the lobbies and in, in, in this room, and I'll have people walk up to me and they'll ask me, were, were you in my house last night? Were you in my house this, this morning? They'll say, every problem I have, you addressed in the message. I feel like you were speaking just to me. And, and I want to encourage you in that, and many of you have had that happen. It, it's not me, it's God, it's the Bible. The Word of God is that powerful. And when you're in the cave, God has some answers and some encouragement in the Bible, and I just encourage you to seek out God by seeking the Scriptures. I love what Matthew 7 says in verses 7 and 8. It says, seek and you shall find. Everybody who seeks finds. And God's making this incredible promise. So David's in the cave, and he's saying, guys, listen, I know this is terrible. I know we're a bunch of losers. I'm on the run. You guys were misfits. Israel kicked you out. You had no place in the kingdom. I know that, but listen to me. Let's fear God, guys, 
and he's reading them scriptures. He, he writes this psalm, and he says, listen to what, listen to what God gave me. And, and then he says, let's trust God. And he says, guys, I have some scrolls here. We're going to seek the scriptures. We're going to find out what the Bible has to say. And he's got these misfits doing these three things. And guess what God's doing, what he always does? He's doing a work in all these hurting people. He's growing them on the inside. He's turning them into these mighty, incredible warriors, these great people. And that's what God does for all of us. We all come into God messed up. We get messed up when we're in God. Life throws one curve after another, knocks us back. And guess what God says? When you're in the cave, I want to take you up out of it to the castle. And I love this fourth thing. It's really cool. And David was an expert at this. We need to praise God in our caves. And I'll read the first three verses to you of this text. Uh, Psalm 34, verses 1, 2, and 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Right in the cave, 400 misfits. And David's telling him this, and David's singing. He's waking up in the morning, and he's worshiping, and these guys are beginning to worship with him. They're forgetting their trouble. They're trusting God. They're seeking God. They're fearing God, and they're singing praises out of their mouth. And David's telling them, man, praise is where it's at. Worship God. And I like to say it this way. Praise will fill us with God's life. And we know Psalm 22.3 says he inhabits the praises of his people. And I don't know how to explain it to you, but it's the most incredible thing, whether you're in a cave or you're out of a cave, whether you're in a castle or in a cave, there's something incredible about praising God and worshiping God. And I know in my life, there have been times where I was in really tough times. And I remember about five years ago, I went through a really tough time and I felt rejection and shame like I've never felt it in my life. And, and I understood some things from David. And, and I'll tell you what I did. One of the things I did to survive, and I've never been suicidal. I, I just want to shoot people. I don't want to shoot myself. And, and so everybody's different. You go one way or the other. I go the other. I want to live, but I felt like hurting people. You guys have all felt different things like that. So what did I do? Man, technology is so incredible. You know, I have my iPhone in my pocket. I had a couple thousand songs on this little phone. They, they sync with my iPad through the cloud, so they, you know, whatever I put on one, it goes to the other. And I remember just taking walks and just listening to worship music. I remember waking up and putting on worship music. I remember going to bed and putting on worship music. My head would be going squirrely, and I'm feeling this incredible shame, and I'm hurting. And I, and, and I don't blame anybody. I'm just telling you, it was a tough time, and I'm hurting, and it's tough. And I'll never forget the comfort that came from praising God. It's an amazing comfort. And I just learned no matter whether I'm in a good time or bad, it's just good to play worship music. And I just noticed that when I feel the atmosphere with that, I begin to feel with life. It's the most amazing things. And so many of us, we don't understand that whether we're in the cave or not, these principles always work. Fear God, trust God, seek God, praise God. And it's amazing what happened. Uh, and, and, and some of the songs that I played during that time, I had different albums, so to speak, that I would play. And to this day, when I turn them on, I remember how good God was during that time in my life. And I want to tell you that no matter where you're at, David taught us something. 
Praise God in your cave. And watch God do some incredible things. So let me give you some help here, okay? I think uh, I want you to first of all just examine your heart. Ask yourself, Lord, am I fearing you? Lord, am I living a life where I know I have to answer to you someday? And I like to just say, don't take shortcuts in your cave, man. Don't, don't cross lines you shouldn't cross. Just, just do what the Bible says. Don't take revenge. Just do what the Bible says. And ask yourself, am I trusting God? Because, you know, he delivers his people. Angels are around us to deliver us. God's a delivering God. And I want to encourage you, are you seeking God in your cave? Man, find out what the Bible says. Some mornings when I'm shaving, I have a podcast on, a Bible podcast. Some mornings I play worship. But it's just, and I'm in a car. Sometimes it's a Bible pro- podcast. Sometimes it's worship. But I just make myself just live in that atmosphere, and it's amazing how it fills us up. I'm trying to help you see how simple this is. And then the praising God. Guys, some people ask me, is it wrong to listen to secular music? And I always tell them, you know, as long as the lyrics aren't bad, and, you you know, you're not hearing some kind of crazy thing in, in the lyrics, you can't say it's wrong, but here's one thing you can say about secular music. It's lifeless. So just make sure you're filling up with life. You know, so if you listen to it, sometimes fine, but listen to worship music more because when you listen to worship music and then you start moving your lips a little bit and tapping your foot and singing while you're driving, you're, you're getting ready in the morning, life is being released inside of you and that life stops you from giving up and that life stops you from making mistakes and it stops you from quitting and it gives you this life that enables you to be in the cave as long as you have to be in the cave. But here's what David did. David taught those 400 people. He said, listen, guys, here's what we're going to do every day. Fear God, trust God, seek God, and guys, we're going to worship God. And I think everyone in this room can agree I'm not a sissy guy. I'm I'm a normal guy. I know I'm not the toughest guy in this room, especially at 55, but I wouldn't have been the toughest guy at 20 in this room. I know that, but I'm a guy. I'm a guy, and I like guy things, and and." Worship was hard for me because, you know, worship's more easy for a woman, but for a guy, it's like, you know, it's hard to submit to anybody, including God. But, you know, I just, I realized, you know what? He's God, and it became so easy to do, and I just worship him at all times in my life, and it takes us from the cave to the castle. So I want to pray. Can I pray right now? Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Let's pray. Lord, I know there's some people in here that aren't in caves. <laughs> They're not in a doulum, and that's awesome. And I'm so happy for them. And Lord, I know that even when we're not in a cave, this keeps us in the castles where we belong. But Lord, there are others, they're in a cave right now. Life is throwing them some curves, and they've been handed a bad deck. And, and Lord, I just thank you that you're the God who can take us from the cave to the castle. And Lord, we want to be like David. And in that cave, we want to fear you, trust you, seek you, and praise you. Just like David did. So Lord, we thank you for this God moment right now in our lives. We just thank you that we can trust you. That you're the God that delivers us. We thank you that we're not meant to stay in the cave forever. 
We thank you that you take us from there to the castle. And Lord, as we have this little God moment, if there's any of us in this room that needs to make a little adjustment and, and, and add some of these principles, I thank you for helping us do that in our lives right now. And we just, we just listen and open our hearts up to anything you might say to us today. Go ahead and just do that. Commune with God for a moment. so good lord i thank you that there's hope in the cave <laughs> i thank you that there's light <laughs> that we can see in the cave and lord we just take a moment now and we celebrate your goodness you gave david that psalm psalm 34 in the cave you wanted us to hear it tonight you wanted us to be able to read it over and over again and remember how good a god you are and Lord, you wanted us to trust you and you wanted us to seek you and not give up and you wanted us to fear you and you wanted us to praise and worship you so you could be released to do these incredible things. So Lord, we take a moment here, right now in service, and we thank you that you're the God that supplies our need before we have a need. You're the God that gives us a light that we can walk down that path. And Lord, we thank you for causing hope to come in every one of our lives tonight. guys. Let's just close our eyes. We're looking up to heaven. Can we let God know how excited we are that he's the God that we can trust and that delivers us? Can you let him know that right now? Just thank him with your hands and your mouth. We thank you, Lord God. You're so good. You're so good, Lord God. I want to just pray for a moment more. Can we just stay in prayer, bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment more? Lord, thank you. If you're here tonight, and you're not sure of your forever, your eternity. We partook of the Lord's Supper together, Holy Communion. We talked about how he gave his life so we can live. We heard Corey's testimony. Incredible what God did in that young man's life. And it all came when he made it personal. And he said, Jesus, I believe you did that, and I'm going to commit my life to you. Jesus did all he can do. Now he's asking us to commit our lives to him. If you're here tonight, you can't remember a time when you committed your life to Jesus, where you made it personal. He said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. If you can't remember that night and that time, that day, you say, Pastor Joe, but I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you, would you help them pray? And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day... I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc. 